what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. This is The Writer's Voice, a podcast collaboration between TheMesh.tv and Lenorine University, a spotlight on writing talent in Western North Carolina. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of The Writer's Voice here on The Mesh Podcast Network. Today on The Writer's Voice, our guest is Hannah Davis. Hannah is a sophomore English major at Lenorine University here in Hickory, North Carolina. She is also uh, originally from Valdez. Um, Hannah is a published poet, a performing musician with the LR Marching Band, Chamber Wood Ensemble, and the Wind Symphony, and also is an active sister in Zeta Tau Alpha. So, Hannah, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. great. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Thank you for coming on to the Writer's Voice today. Thank you for having me. Um, Hannah's got a few different uh, pieces that she's going to share with us today, so without further ado, I'm going to let Hannah uh, tell us and explain and read uh, her works with us. All right, so my first one is going to be INFP. The worst thing about being a poet are the moments when lethargy comes creeping around corners, seeping into streams of your consciousness, preventing any kind of progress. The worst thing about being a poet is dealing with the fact that feelings are your fossil fuels, and just like those bones then buried, now burning, you know there will be a day when you simply run out. Awesome. Um, Tell us a little bit about what your inspiration is for that. Pretty plain and simple. I had a creative writing class. I needed to have a certain number of poems written by a deadline. I was experiencing writer's block, and I decided I would write about having writer's block. (laughs) So that was where that came from, was just feeling as though I couldn't create anything worthwhile. So I tried to turn that into something worthwhile. Sometimes the easiest solutions are the easiest, I guess. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. For sure. Um, what uh, is that the type of style that you usually um, that you usually write with stream of consciousness on the spot? Or do you usually like take time out and, and, and block it all? Or I know whenever I first started writing poetry in high school, it all came very easily to me. And I was acquainted with just being able to write something down and being okay with it. And then I got to college and I realized that it wasn't always going to be like that. I was going to have to take breaks. That one, I didn't take any breaks, but the other I have, the others I have prepared for today, I definitely had to kind of stop and look at them and figure out what I was trying to really say. So, uh, but What else do you have for us today? Uh, my second poem is entitled Columbus Day, and it goes... Hail to the white man, for he brings good news of great joy. He brings us blankets because our savage weavings aren't enough. With him comes compassion that we cannot comprehend, thus cannot deny. Screaming must mean something different to those of lighter complexions. Perhaps they need to be told no in a commanding voice. And their brains are too weak for months at sea to understand red tongues, red hands, red skin. They fear a color palette as diverse as the leaves of my ancestral homeland. They fear us because we know of things that they can only see in children's daydreams. They fear a people group more unified than they would ever be. Hail to the European savior. Finally, a ringmaster for the animals, roaming these lands, ruining their lands. He brings silver sticks of fire and powder that soak our clothes in the color of our skin. Years later, they nearly have the slate wiped clean of us. 
dirty red splotches on their otherwise untouched green wilderness. They call it manifest destiny, because white men always need their own word for thievery, genocide, terrorism. Even in criminal acts, they are entitled to leniency, innocent until meeting their maker. Even in death, they can cheat the system, their names lost at the hands of time and foolish men who have no pride in anything apart from being God's chosen people. Hail to the commander-in-chief, a position my ancestors have fought to respect, struggling with lawmakers slippery as serpents and deals as crooked as the teeth of those who first offered them the land stolen from beneath our feet, a land we didn't even see as ours to give away, wasted for railroads and highways, sacred land compromised for the sake of black gold utilized in maintaining ties with a land that is seen as holier than our own because it fits the white man's mold of repentance, salvation, submission. Still to this day, they play down our existence, whittle us into dancing marionettes. Still to this day, they view our culture as merely a thing for their entertainment, a gift from their God who had a son with brown tongue, brown hands, and brown skin. That's incredible. Thank you. <laughs> That's one of the better ones we've had so far, in my humble opinion. Um, you, so you were telling me a little bit about your uh, Native American uh, heritage. So obviously that uh, you know works back to that. Um, I, I don't really have to ask you what inspiration what it comes <laughs> from that. I, um, so was there a, a particular event that uh, might have spurred this along? Um, definitely it kind of coincided with all of the activity at Standing Rock okay. out in the Midwest right. and just a disconnect between people's understanding of places of importance to people that they don't understand themselves. And I think arguably a lot of the cases they've never tried to understand why it's important. They just do what they need to do to further their own goals. Sure. Um, and we, we see that a lot with, um, you know, in, in almost every day something um, happens in the news or, you know, people aren't, um, you know, they're, they're marginalized across the board from, from every walks of life. And it's just it's uh, it, when when authors put a spotlight on it, it's. It, it definitely raises my ears. Um, could, you, could you share uh, your next one with us? Oh, sure. This is a much anticipated, I would say, by the LR writing community follow-up to that called Us Before You. We belonged even before this land was known as the Americas. We knew each other by different names then. Sioux, Blackfoot, Cherokee. Not the general generalizations bestowed upon us by those explorers who thought us simple, thought us small. Indians, redskins, savages. Riding on the stench of their breath left by foods of which we knew nothing came unwanted bindings that transcended even the most basic barrier between our people. Udulado, desire. Eskai, fear. Susasi, revenge. They would grant us their language, strip us of our mothers and their names, tell us that we weren't people yet, that we still had much to learn. Etiquette, Poise, submission. Even as we hid in the mountains of Mother Earth under the cover of Father Sky, we knew their disease could not eradicate all of us, so long as we held such tales inside. So we hid under the guise of assimilation from white men, pale invaders, savages.
So the, that one is all obviously the follow-up to the first. Um, what um, was there an, another event that, that, that spurred that, or was it was it um, basically people clamoring for more after after the first? It was a lot of people clamoring for more, and it also came with a, a follow-up course, a visiting writer series at Lamar Ryan University, where the ex poet laureate of Alabama came to teach our class and we talked a lot about people groups and who we saw our people as so we wrote a lot of things about that this particular assignment was for one where she gave us the word assimilation and told us to write what that meant to us so another assignment based one right right um well we appreciate you coming on and sharing your works with us about your heritage and and how it blends with current events today. That's uh, fantastic to hear. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to share with us on maybe how you think that um, we could move forward or how, how you think people that are marginalized could be unmarginalized? Uh, I know I definitely can't speak for everyone. Sure. And my opinion is just that. It's right. mine to me. Well, your opinion is uh, is very loud, and I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> I at appreciate least on paper, it. at least, right? Yeah. Uh, I definitely believe in the power of empathy and of being empathetic leaders and empathetic uh, citizens and trying to look at us all as a united group instead of focusing on what little minuscule differences we have because at the end of the day, those are the things that don't really make us who we are. So they're insignificant. That was Hannah Davis here on The Writer's Voice. Thank you for joining us today here on The Mesh. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.